You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, good morning, West Side Church. Uh, we are so grateful that you guys get to be here. My name is Justin Shump, and, and I help serve in the uh, teens and campus ministry here in the West Side Church. You know, like Gus said, we're broadcasting live from the Metro LA studio. Uh, I just want to take a quick moment to thank everyone who helps behind the scenes. Uh, Scott, Alec, Michael, uh, really grateful for all of the work you've been doing and, and Turnwall letting us uh, use the building here. Uh, it truly is amazing all of the work that goes in uh, to putting on a service like this. And I don't think that people get enough credit. So I just want to say a special thank you uh, to our crew. You know, we've been doing this series called United. Uh, Steve spoke a few weeks ago about being united by love, and then Ken spoke last week about being united by grace, and today for our sermon we're going to be talking about being united by faith. Uh, we're going to be reading out of 1 John chapter 5, so if you have a Bible you can go ahead and turn there. We'll also have uh, the scriptures up on the screen for you. So we'll go ahead and, uh, and jump right into it. This is 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. The Bible reads, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commands. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You know, it's a powerful scripture. And today as we talk about being united by faith, you know, there's kind of two parts of faith that this scripture hits on. It talks about this idea of, of belief, of believing that Jesus is the Christ. But then it also talks about this idea of devotion. And you know, faith can mean two different things. It can mean belief, but it can also mean devotion. You know, there's this kind of rational acknowledgement of who Jesus is. That is our belief. But then there is this commitment to continually keep his commands. And that is faith defined by devotion. You know, faith is also loyalty. You know, it was amazing seeing the Los Angeles Dodgers win the World Series this past week. Uh, I was watching with my family and, and my wife, and, and it was just such an amazing experience. You know, such, such a great victory for the city of Los Angeles and all of the loyal Dodger fans out there. And, you know, it always amazes me how loyal people are to different sports teams. You know, our loyalty to our sports teams, it's a great display of faith. You know, a team can go 32 years without winning a championship, yet the fans still remain loyal. It's amazing. You know, this is my first Dodger game uh, about 20 years ago, there with my dad. And, you know, I've been a loyal fan for the past 20 years, and I, and I hope to be a loyal fan for many more years. And hopefully Emma and I will, will bring in some new little Dodger fans uh, at some point. A few more years, but maybe we'll get there at some point. And, you know, although we have this, this loyalty uh, to sports teams and, and to different organizations, uh, 
our ultimate loyalty is to Christ. You know, we have the, the, these faith defined as these two definitions. Belief and devotion. And we all at some point became convinced that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Savior of the world. And this was our faith defined by belief. And this belief required a response from us. It wasn't enough to just believe. You know, we decided to devote our lives to Christ. Excuse me. We believed that Jesus saved us, and we saw God's love. And we knew that for us to reciprocate that love, we had to be devoted. We had to follow Jesus' commands. And so a lot of us entered into a covenant with Christ. We entered into this covenant through Jesus. And a covenant is essentially the same thing as a marriage. We enter into a union. And so our faith, it changes from just believing to actually being devoted. Living as a Christian means that we are faithful, that we stay Devoted. God shows his love to us by sending Jesus, and we show our love to him by following his commandments. And that's easy, right? This is the kind of the easy message of, of Christianity. Super easy to follow, right? Well, anyone who's been a Christian for more than five minutes knows that this is a little bit more difficult than what we kind of see on paper. Because as humans, we are not the best at being devoted. You know, as humans, we're really good at making commitments, but we're not always so good at actually upholding those commitments. You know, you can look at a bunch of different statistics, especially from America, that would kind of strengthen this argument. You know, you can look at the the divorce rate that we have here in America that the divorce rate sits just at about 50%. Meaning that 50% of the people who, who get married, who, who commit to being married, will end up being divorced. And for those who get remarried after a divorce, those marriages, on average, only last about eight years. You know, you can look at, at the college dropout rates in America. 56% of people will drop out of college within the first six years of starting school. Now, obviously, there's tons of other factors that, that, that go into these situations of, of, of finances and life situations. But it's a fact that a lot of people start college, but not a whole lot of people finish. You know, this is one I'm, I'm definitely guilty of. 60% of people will actually start to read a book that they purchase. But only about 30% of those who actually start the book will finish the book. You know, I have started a lot of books in my life, but I have not finished a lot of books. I'm sure some of you guys can probably probably relate to me. I know we've got, there's a chat going on on the YouTube page. So if you're on there, go ahead. Go ahead and post, what is the best book that you never finished? What is the best book that you started and you loved but maybe you didn't end up finishing. You can go ahead and post it on the chat, and hopefully it'll inspire us to, to go finish some books, go read some books. You know, we look at these statistics, and there's kind of this common theme that emerges. 
humans, we're pretty good at starting things, but we're not so great at being devoted. And we see similar statistics in Christianity. We see that a lot of people choose to believe in Jesus and and they start their journey. But a lot of people do not stay devoted. A very small amount of people who are Christians actually stay faithful. And Jesus talked about this, right? He He said the road is narrow. But why is this? You know, I just want to take a moment, just want to say, I'm so inspired by the disciples in our church that have been devoted to Christ for decades. You can clap up for yourself right now. I know we're all watching at home. If we were at church, we'd probably be clapping, clapping for people who stayed faithful. But for real, I'm so inspired by those who have been a Christian for five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years, forty years, fifty years. It blows my mind. I mean, I'm still pretty young, and I'm hoping that I make it that long. But I'm so inspired by those in our church who have fought the fight and have stayed devoted. Because very few people actually stay faithful. Because it's hard. It's difficult. As humans, it doesn't just come easy. You know, we have to fight for our faith. We have to fight to stay devoted. Which leads me to my first point. The fight for righteousness. You know, as we look back at the passage in 1 John, verse 3, it says, For the love of God is this, that we obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world. You know, the writer is saying that, that Jesus' commands, they're not burdensome. And it sounds a lot like this passage from Matthew 11. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. So we know that Jesus told us He is not burdensome. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And then we read this passage in 1 John that says, look, God's commands are not burdensome. What does this word burdensome mean? It means difficult to carry out. Difficult to fulfill taxing, undesirably restrictive, oppressive. You know, what's ironic is that these are words that people would use to describe Christianity. They would say, look, it's too difficult to be a Christian. It's easy to start, but it's hard to maintain. It's physically and mentally demanding. It takes up your time and your resources. You know, you have to constantly be giving of yourself. They would say Christianity confines you. If you want to be a Christian, you have to give up your freedom. 
And if it is true that Jesus' commands are not burdensome, then why is it so hard to stay devoted to them? I mean, shouldn't it be easier? Man, why is it such a battle to stay faithful? Is Jesus just wrong? Is he wrong when he says that his life following him is not burdensome? Is the author of 1 John wrong when he says that God's commands are not burdensome? You know, this is either the greatest blunder of all time, or maybe we have it backwards. You know, let's look at some of Jesus' commands. Jesus says, love your enemy. Do not look at a woman lustfully. Do not worry. Do not store up treasures in heaven. Forgive those who have wronged you. So I want you to kind of just, just shut out the world, you know, kind of try and take your mind to a peaceful place and just look at the words on the screen. Do these things seem burdensome? Love your enemy, which ultimately means pursue peace. Do not worry, which ultimately means everything is going to be okay. God will take care of you. Do not store up treasures on this earth, which ultimately means you don't have to be consumed with constantly building wealth and and, and producing. Do these things seem burdensome? You know, Jesus gives us so many of these simple truths, these simple commands, and we know that they are true. So why does Christianity feel so burdensome? Why is it so hard to stay devoted to our faith? Why does Christianity often feel so restrictive, so taxing, so oppressive? You know, I don't think the problem is with Jesus' teachings. He lays out these simple truths and he tells us exactly what to do. You know, the problem is that we are living in a world, in a culture that is screaming at us to do the exact opposite. A culture that is telling us to hate our enemies. Let me give you an example. Look at the election we're having right now. People are more unified by mutual hatred for the opposing candidate than they are for mutual love for the candidate they're supporting. Like, hate is the most unifying thing right now in this election. On both sides. You know, we live in a culture consumed with anxiety. With young people who are constantly on edge, knowing that any new minute could bring a new panic attack. 
It's exhausting. You know, we live in a culture obsessed with materialism. Where your worth comes from your credentials and your value comes from what you can produce. From what you can do. You know, Jesus' commands are not burdensome. The world is burdensome. This culture we live in is burdensome. But if your mind is governed by popular opinion, and your actions are guided by your worldly desires, if your security is placed in the things of this earth, then yes, Jesus' commands would seem burdensome. But if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, if you have faith that his love is transformative, then his commands will not seem burdensome. His teaching will not feel oppressive. It will be our faith in Christ that sets us free. It will give us true freedom in a burdensome world. You know, as the scripture says, our faith is what overcomes the world. Our belief in Jesus and our devotion to his teachings. Our fight for righteousness. And it is a fight. It's a fight to stay faithful. And we are in this fight together. And it's that fight for our faith that unites us. You know, the fight to live a righteous life in a burdensome world has the power to unite us in ways we never thought possible. I firmly believe that with my whole heart. Because I've seen it. I've seen it up close. I've seen it firsthand. How powerful people can be united when we're fighting to live a righteous life, and a burdensome world. You know, I have the amazing privilege of of leading a a sexual purity group uh, for the male college students here in the church. And and I started the group because as a young man, I had a severe addiction to pornography. And for so many years, I felt hopeless. You know, I went through life just carrying this massive guilt all the time. You know, trying to be pure, trying to live up to God's standards for sexual purity, it felt like a burden. You know, I had decided to become a Christian. I had decided to believe in Jesus and and make Him Lord. And I was trying to stay devoted to righteousness. But it was really hard. It was really hard to fight for righteousness. And so for years upon years, I was shackled by that sin. I felt burdened by the world. You know, by the grace of God and and many godly men who prayed for me and guided me and mentored me, I was able to overcome that addiction. And you know, I, I felt passionate that I wanted other young men to experience that true freedom. And so while I was in college down in San Diego, I I started this group. 
and, and we had about 10 guys signed up, and, and we met every week, and we just talked about our struggles. We talked about the fact that we were fighting for our righteousness, that we were fighting for our faith. And the victory was amazing. You know, there were guys who, who, who for many years had not gone a single week without watching pornography. And they were able to have victory. They were going months, two months, three months, six months, even a year without giving in. It was amazing to see the power. And you know, here's what's crazy. I'm not a therapist, okay? I have a degree in marketing. San Diego State, baby. I'm not an addiction specialist. I I didn't develop a 12-step program. This victory did not come from anything I did. This victory came from the fact that we were all united by our struggle. You know, you had a group of, of college guys who were trying to live a pure life in a world that is consumed with impurity. Where every billboard, every movie, every song is, is glamorizing a lifestyle that is the complete opposite of Jesus. A world that makes billions upon billions of dollars every single year exploiting women and turning them into objects. A world where young boys on average ages 7 to 9 are exposed to things on the internet that they never intended to see. And end up becoming lifelong addicts. This is the world we were all living in. And we were bonded by our fight for righteousness. You know, I saw how amazing the group was in, in San Diego, and, and so coming back to LA, I decided that we would start a group here. And we've been meeting with, with some of the college students for the past few weeks, and, and it's been amazing, you know, to know that we are, we are bonded by our struggle. We are bonded by our fight for faith. You know, it's so easy to feel like, man, I'm the only one fighting. I'm the only one going through this. I'm the only one that has doubts. So a few weeks ago, during one of our meetings, uh, one of the guys shared that he was struggling with this idea of devotion. He shared that, you know, maybe, maybe I'll just kind of be a Christian in college, but then after that, I'll, I'll kind of just go and, and do my own thing. It'll kind of be this fun club I'm a part of for a few years, but I don't really know if it's going to last. And I kind of chuckled to myself because literally... Two days before, I had had the exact same thought. I had the exact same doubt. You know, I questioned if I would actually be able to stay devoted as a Christian. I literally had this, like, this weird, just like, image in my head of, of my wife Emma and I, like, sitting at a dinner table, like, 20 years from now with some friends we just met and, and sharing, like, oh yeah, you know, we used to kind of be, Christians, and we were part of, we did the whole thing in college, but no, 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 we, that's kind of, we moved on from that. Like, I literally just had this thought in my head. I was like, what if that happens? Am I really going to be able to stay faithful? And I was so ashamed of that thought. I was so scared to kind of confess that or to tell anyone. But then I heard this young brother who said he was feeling the same thing. 
And so I told him about the thought that I had. And it was amazing knowing that we were bonded by that struggle. Amazing to know that I wasn't the only one feeling that. You know, he texted me the next day. He said, hey man, hope you had a good day today. I was thinking about what you said yesterday, about imagining conversations down the line, telling people you used to be a Christian. And honestly, I was really relieved to know that I am not the only one who thinks like that. You know, God knew that we needed each other. We were both feeling insecure about our devotion. We were both feeling like, I don't know if we are going to be good enough to stay faithful. But we were bonded by our struggle. We were bonded by our fight for righteousness. You know, I absolutely believe that we need each other to stay faithful. Which leads me to my second and final point as we end off. The fight for relationships. You know, right now, it it feels really hard to be united. You know, the polarization in our world can start to feel unbearable. If I spend more than ten minutes on social media, I just get exhausted. It's just constant opinions and criticism. And it's just a fact. There is so much arguing happening between Christians right now. You know, especially during this election season, there can be this quiet suspicion we have with one another. You know, we start to make a lot of assumptions in our head about people. And it's just hard to love. It just is. It's easy to be angry. It's easy to disagree. It's easy to slander. But it's hard to love. You know, I myself am naturally very critical of people. And, and I hate it about myself. It's probably one of the things that, that I honestly hate the most about myself, is how critical I am. It's so easy for me to, to look at people and, and to think negative thoughts and to slander them in my head. And, and it's just evil the way I think about people sometimes. And, you know, my criticalness towards others, it creates this deep insecurity inside of me. Because I naturally assume that everyone else views the world the same way I do. And so if I am so naturally critical towards other people, then everyone else must be feeling the same thing towards me. That every person I interact with must be thinking something negative about me. And so in my head, it produces this fake animosity between people that's not real. I know the majority of the time, it's not true. It's fugazi. It's all in my head. But this happens when my mind makes assumptions. And you know when it's really easy to make assumptions? When we're distant from one another. You know, I think it's safe to say that over the past six months, through the lockdowns and and the racial tension and, and all the politics, we've probably made a lot of assumptions about one another. And I think we can all agree that it's been really hard to love people. It's been extremely difficult to feel united, to feel faithful. 
It's been hard to say, you know what, no matter what happens, I will stay devoted to my brothers and sisters. That has definitely not always been my first thought. You know, we'll end off by reading this quick scripture. This is John 17. Jesus knew it was going to be really hard for us to stay united, to stay devoted, to stay faithful. And so on the night before Jesus is arrested, on his final night with his disciples, he says this prayer. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as you are one. I in them and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, Jesus' vision was for us, his followers, to be completely unified. His desire was for us to be as close to one another as he is to God. And if we can do this, if we can be unified, then the world will know God's love. That's what's at stake. The world knowing God's love. That is what is at stake. Man, we've got to focus on that this week when the world tries to tear each other apart. Our unity, our bond as disciples is going to show the world Jesus' love. You know, in order to be devoted, in order to stay faithful, we must fight for our righteousness. But we cannot do it alone. We need each other. So in order to fight for our righteousness, we must fight for our relationships. And although we may disagree, although we may doubt, although we may lose heart, it is this fight that unites us. We are united by our fight to stay faithful. We are united by our fight for devotion. You know, at this time, I'm going to go ahead and, and say a prayer for communion. And, and as you take the bread and, and take the juice, I want you to really just dwell on this fact that we are completely united in Christ. But as the scripture talks about, the way we overcome the world is through our faith. That we as Christians, we are united by the fact that we believe in Jesus, and we are united by the fact that we all are, are all fighting to stay devoted. Let's go ahead and pray. God, you know, I thank you so much for your scriptures. I thank you so much that although they can feel burdensome, we know that they are not. God, it is such a privilege 
to know Jesus' words, to be able to read them and dwell on them and apply them in a world that is not united. God, we know this world is burdensome. It beats up on us. But please, God, I beg that we would remember that it is the world that is burdensome, not your commands. That Jesus' commands are perfect. They are spotless. And they've been given directly to us. God, I pray for our our church, I pray for our nation, uh, that we can be united. United by love, united by grace, and united by our fight for faith. Thank you so much that we can take this communion. We can dwell on the fact that Jesus died for us. God, I pray we would not forget we are saved by our grace. We are saved by our love. Thank you so much for your love, and thank you for the family you've given us. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.